Dad Tired is coming to Houston, Texas on May 26th, and we need your help. If you or your business would like to contribute to the mission of seeing more men step up as the spiritual leaders of their home, we would love to talk to you. Each financial contribution is tax deductible, which is awesome for your business, and will feature your business on all of our conference materials. If you're interested in making a financial gift and becoming a sponsor of this or any of our other Dad Tired meetups, send us an email at hello at dadtired.com. Last week in our closed Facebook group, one of the guys shared how he was working as a chaplain in the military during a memorial service and had a really powerful experience that he ended up sharing on Facebook and encouraged me and encouraged a lot of the other guys. I asked him if he would come on and share part of his story with us. So take a listen to this. I was uh, participating or I was part of a memorial service for a, uh, a younger member who passed. Um, and that day I got to watch uh, his wife um, mourn for a few hours um, over his death and in the arms of, uh, I would say, a couple hundred of our, our other members. Um, it was very intense, and um, I, I guess it, it just left a mark on me that day because I, I was thinking about it on my way home, and um, you know things like that just make you really thankful for the family that you have and the things that God's done in your life and where he's brought you and the blessings that he's given you. And so uh, I was just feeling extra... Um, I don't know, um, emotional maybe, but uh, overall, I just I felt like uh, I was being challenged for some of the things that I do take for granted. So I went home and I just really mm-hmm. wanted to make sure I just really spent that time with the kids. Um, I know my wife uh, works our business full time and homeschool, so she's very busy. And anytime I can take the kids when I get home, I know it's just huge for her. And so uh, I was just very intentional that day. Not that I'm not normally, but I, I remember specifically just feeling that uh, conviction. And so I played with him. I uh, took him, uh, I think I took him downstairs and we worked out together and then we went outside and did some stuff. And uh, my wife kind of had some alone time. Um, And then I noticed, I just happened to check social media and she's on there bragging about, you know, uh, best husband ever, this and that. And of course there's the initial like, oh yeah, you know, pat myself on the back. And then I was uh, immediately convicted at that point. Um, I just really felt like God was saying, look, this should not be something that, um, not that she shouldn't brag about, but it shouldn't leave such an impression on her uh, that she feels the need to brag about it. So and that, may, that may sound a little intense, but I was really convicted about it in the moment that uh, I, I went back to the scripture in Ephesians where it talks about a husband's duty to his wife, and that's to, to love her as Christ loved the church. And so um, yes, obviously, there's the uh, the obvious implication of that, that he sacrificed himself for the church. But then I, I extended off that thought in, in how he loves us every day. Um, and the things that God does in our lives on a daily basis, we, we're not surprised by it. We may be wowed by it. He does amazing things. But I don't feel like we're ever surprised, like, oh, I didn't think he would do that. Um, I, I feel like when God things uh, does things in our life and works in our life, um, it's so just predictable how good he is to us all the time um, that we we say, oh, of, of course God would do that. I mean, he loves his children, and that's who we are. Uh, why would he not act like that on my behalf? And so that really challenged me as a husband that that's how we're supposed to love our wives, that um, 
when we do things that, you know, uh, are often seen as going above and beyond and they feel the need to brag about or something like that or impresses them, so to speak, uh, I feel like it should be so uh, second nature. They should be so used to that that they say, oh, of course he would. He, you know, he does that every day. He comes home. He you know, loves on the kids. He gives me some time. Um, just whatever it is that speaks that love to her, um, it really challenged me that that's how we should be living our everyday life. Such a good reminder for us as men that we should be constantly engaged in pursuing our wives and our kids so much so that it's normal for them, that they expect it. It's not out of the norm um, and that they don't feel like they have to take pictures on social media because we happen to show up and engage with them fully. Thank you, Mike, for sharing that story. I really appreciate the encouragement, man. Today, I had the chance to sit down with my good friend, Aaron Smith from Husband Revolution. He and his wife run online ministries where they're helping married couples fall more in love with Jesus and with each other. They've recently teamed up together to start a podcast called Marriage After God, which I highly suggest that you subscribe to. Aaron, for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with Husband Revolution, tell us who you are and what you're up to these days. Okay, my name is Aaron Smith, and uh, I'm the founder and you know creator of HusbandRevolution.com. My wife is Jennifer Smith, and she does UnveiledWife.com. And recently, we just launched a podcast called Marriage After God, which uh, you guys just heard about. And uh, yeah, our job and our goal and our hearts is to encourage marriages and to inspire marriages and to get back to a biblical understanding of marriage and uh, just to explore what God has beyond just happily ever after, um, but to engage and to see our marriages as a ministry, not with just each other, but for the world. Yeah, dude. Um, But you also are super into working out these days. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I skipped this morning. I was a little tired this morning, but, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been going to the gym, uh, three to four times a week doing CrossFit. Uh, I've been doing that for about a year now. Yeah, dude. Every time I go on your Instagram, uh, you're like lifting 17 buses. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. No, yeah. It's, it's fun seeing the, seeing the, the, the strength increase. Um, I, I started a long time ago just cause I, was a little bit out of shape. And so I tried getting some self-discipline in the area of exercise and getting up early. And so I try and hit the gym at six o'clock in the morning and it's been awesome, not just for my physical, you know, well-being, but it's been good learning the self-discipline um, aspect of my life. Cause that's something I've always had an issue with, mm. uh, but getting up early in the morning, going to the gym and then after the gym, I go pray and then I, you know, get in the word of God with my family. Um, and then I start the day off. So, it's been a really cool trend. I actually feel off like today. I felt off because I didn't go. Yeah. Um, cause it, it really just sets the whole tone for my day. Yeah. Like it has, so you've seen your like er, other areas of discipline have grown since you've been working out every day. Yeah. And it, it's not necessarily just because I'm working every day. It just, but it's, it's a fruit of learning self-discipline in one area. You just, it, it naturally turns into other areas. Um, we just did a podcast actually about, uh, having a healthy lifestyle in your marriage. Um, 
actually makes your marriage more healthy because of <laughs> all the spiritual benefits from learning self-discipline and learning how to be consistent with something and learning how to stretch yourself and push yourself beyond what you're normal and used to. Yeah. Well, we're, I, I saw that video, but for those of the listeners who haven't seen it, what, what were a couple ways that you've seen it like strengthen your marriage? Um, well, just spiritually, uh, my, my wife, uh, seeing me be self-disciplined, it, it encourages her. It reminds her that I'm, you know, doing what I say I'm going to do. It gets her excited. My kids, uh, see it in me. They see me getting up. My, they know that there's Bible time in the morning. Uh, it's something I try and do every morning. So yeah. because I'm, because I'm already in the, the mode of getting up early, going to do this one thing I've coupled it with, you know, now, you know, praying in the morning and I've also coupled it with getting into the word every morning. So around the same time every day, I do the same things every day. Um, so I've seen just the inspiration of my kids, the inspiration of my wife. Um, they've been encouraged and inspired to, d- to get self-discipline in areas also. Yeah. Because um, yeah, Jennifer might... started joining you, right? And working out. She's not going to the, the CrossFit. She's not lifting, but... lifting buses like you are, but she's, <laughs> yeah, she's... But she started, yeah, she's doing this thing called orange theory. Oh, yeah. um, she started that and she's really liking, it's a gamified, you know, yeah. exercise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she's going, you know, once a week to that and getting into that. But on the other hand, uh, she's, um, finding her, <laughs> finding herself, uh, getting more excited about my, the, the transitions and changes in my body and seeing the health in me. And so there's, <laughs> there's that yeah. uh, aspect of getting physically healthy. Yeah. That, that always is a, a benefit in marriage. <laughs> That's a huge benefit. Yeah. Uh, you, you said like a pretty funny story in that video. You were talking about how you didn't, you had always told yourself if you got over a certain weight, then you'd go to the gym, but you had kind of lost track of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've never been over 200 pounds in my life. Yeah. Uh, when I was in high school, I was around, you know, 150 to 170. And then throughout my, you know, young college years, I was, you know, 180. 170, 180, just my whole, the whole time. And then, um, the last five years of my life, I've been around, you know, 180, 190. And so I just told myself if I ever get over 200 pounds, I, you know, I'll, I'll start making some changes, but I'm usually pretty consistent. I've never been over 200. I just, I eat pretty good. Um, uh, but I've been pretty sedentary for the last few years and I don't ever, I don't really check myself regularly on my weight. Um, and I checked and I'm like 220 and I'm like, Oh, oops. (laughs) So I took that as like, well, I need to, and that was actually right around the same time I was, you know, looking up life insurance and we had to get a physical for that. And, uh, my physical didn't come back very great. Um, just my cholesterol and my, just the internals of my, my health. Um, and so there just all that together. I was like, Hey, I should probably, I should probably figure this out. And I started just getting up earlier and doing it. Dude, you should, we should be like accountability. I need an accountability partner. So maybe when, cause we're in the same time zone, maybe when we, uh, when I wake up or when you wake up, you need to text me and tell me to get rid of my dad bod. I will, I watched the Olympics and I was like, started to feel real out of shape as I was on the couch with a bowl of ice cream, watching these athletes, like, yeah. <laughs> and, and then judging them how they're landing. Like, exactly. Oh, landing wasn't that great. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, dude. Uh, well, man, one of the things I want to talk about was you, dad tired, I think started about two and a half coming up maybe on three years. And from like day one, when there were like two people interested in dad tired, you have always been super supportive. Um, hmm. you, you've called me, you've, you've sent me messages, uh, you've helped out in all kinds of ways with dad tired, which, uh, 
is super cool and encouraging for me on a personal level as a friend, but it's actually really rare for like two ministries to support each other. And I've watched Mm -hmm. you do it just with dad tired and other people. Um, Like what's at your heart of not feeling the sense of like being threatened, which I've seen in the church world so much, like Mm -hmm. churches be threatened by other churches, but you just go like head strong, the opposite directions. Like I'm going to pour everything I've got into other people who are um, trying to make a dent in the kingdom. Well, well, first of all, thank you for recognizing that. Um, and I, you're right. I did that. Like, and I actually don't even remember how we got connected originally. I don't know if I reached out to you or you reached out to me or whatnot, but, um, I think I know, actually, I just remembered I, when I first started, I think that you had somewhere on your website that you were looking for people to write. And I think I submitted like a, um, you know, like an application or something, if I could write for husband revolution, which you declined. Gotcha. No, I'm just kidding. I don't I remember. I, no, I don't. I'm kidding. I don't remember what happened. I don't either, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, um, I just want to start off by saying, um, I'm not immune to the fears. Um, I actually oftentimes feel, you know, threatened or like, mm-hmm. Oh, am I, if I, you know, this person's taking credit for something I did or, you know, this, this person, you know, what if they grow bigger than my thing or those, those fears absolutely come up. Mm. Um, I, I'm not immune to to them, but my, my way of combating them is doing the opposite of what my fears want me to do. Mm. Um, so (laughs) helping out another brother in their ministry online, that's doing something maybe in the same vein of what I've been doing, uh, is my way of combating that, that fear because, you know, we, we learn often in the New Testament about the, the unity in the body. Um, and so when it comes to other believers doing things that are great, I just have to continually remind myself that what I have, I didn't earn anyway. Mm. <laughs> and it can easily be taken away from me. And what other people are doing in the body, God can glorify and God can tear down. And so I just... And, and this sounds super, you know, holy or whatever you want to call it, but I just, my way of, of operating fearfully before the Lord in my ministry is in recognizing that he's given it to me and he can take it away and give it to someone else yeah. and that he could use other people also. And I'm not the end all be all. And I don't have the market on, on ministry and I'm not the final voice for God. Um, I'm just another piece that God uses. And, um, and so I, yeah, like I, I don't do it for everyone and I can't do it for everyone, but there's times that, you know, people like you, there's been other people, um, that have come up and my heart is just to see the kingdom of heaven moved forward and see hearts changed and see people turn back to, to God and see marriages thriving. And, um, it's all his kingdom. Yeah, and so, so yeah, I, I, Yes, I I do get scared and I do get threatened sometimes and I do f- I feel all of those things. Um, but at the end of the day, we're all going to stand before God, yeah. <laughs> and I want to I want to be able to say that I I didn't withhold and I didn't pridefully and selfishly um, keep build my own kingdom. Yeah. Well, dude, I'm just on a personal note that you've been so encouraging to me, man, and you've taught me you've taught me a lot about. Uh, what that looks like to to lay down your life in really practical ways for other people. Uh, I think all of us guys in, on some level um, feel a sense of competition, uh, not just in ministry, but in all in all areas of life. Um, and there are times in my life where I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sizing myself up to other guys. 
uh, and I'm trying to learn how to like uh, do what you did and do what mm-hmm. you've done for me. And, and instead of running towards that direction, running the exact opposite direction and figuring out ways that I could lay my life down for them. So dude, you, you do a great job of that and it's super encouraging on thank you. many fronts for me. So thank you. Um, I, I'm, how many kids do you have now? You're popping kids out all the time. <laughs> we, we have three, um, outside the body and one, in, one inside. <laughs> we have, we have one on the way. That's yeah. awesome, man. So four, four total. Yeah. Super, super exciting. Uh, I've, I've been wanting to ask you this for a long time. Like what, uh, how old, I guess, what are the ages of your kids before I ask my next question? Uh, one, almost three and five. Okay. So you're still in the thick of it. Uh, like yeah. young family. What for your young kids have you found as far as discipline, what has worked well for you and your kids and what has not worked well for you and your kids? Uh, well, yeah. So do your kids have tantrums? Uh, yeah, of okay, course. Okay. I, just, uh, I, just needed, I needed you to say, I needed to hear you say. <laughs> yeah. They're, uh, our children, are, they're, they're children. Yeah, um, yeah. but the way my wife and I see our kids, we, well, first of all, we've had a lot of mentoring from older couples that have, you know, seven, eight kids, uh, and have done it and their kids are wonderful people to be around and they love the Lord. And, um, so that I would say the first layer of discipline is learning how to discipline (laughs) well and the purpose behind it. Um, there's a good book out there called shepherding a child's heart. I haven't, my, my wife's currently reading. I haven't read it yet, (laughs) but uh, she tells, she tells me stuff from it and all the people that we, get mentored from have been through it. And, um, they're just, we, they're, our, our pastor says this all the time. He says 10% correction, 90% affirmation. Mm. Uh, so that's one of the hardest things to walk in because it, some days it just feels like it's 99% correction. Yeah. T- no percent affirmation. <laughs> right. and, and then I lay down on my pillow at night and say, what did I do yeah. <laughs> all, totally. all day? Totally. Um, and you know, that's just, I think that's normal. Um, but what we do is just, it's consistency. We, we pick our battles. So if there's something that just is a like, Oh, like, you know, our oldest son's just, he's tormenting his sister, you know, because he doesn't know how to stop himself yet. We, we go through a season of like, well, we're going to teach him how to, to, to treat others as he'd like to be treated. And so one of the things we've been implementing lately is, um, bringing in scripture and repeating that scripture over and over and over and over again. So when my son's like, you know, teasing his sister, I say, Elliot, what does Luke chapter six, verse 31 say? Mm. And he says, do unto others as I'd have them do unto me. And he literally says that probably a hundred times in a day. Wow. Um, and, and I explain it to him and say, well, would you want her to do that to you? Would you, if you were, if she was doing that and you asked her to stop and you didn't, would you want her to stop? Yes. Well then you should do that. And so that becomes the theme for like a month. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool and, way of going about it. And it comes out every single time and it's tedious, but it's it becomes the theme. It, it, he hears it over and over and over again. And eventually I just say, Elliot, what's Luke 631? And he just says it out loud and then he knows immediately what I'm what I'm referencing until he starts saying it for himself. Um, because I, I just got to a point where I was getting so frustrated. I'm like, I, I literally just told you to stop this. Yeah. I'm like, and so what happens is it's just dad's voice. And I don't want dad's voice to be what rings in his head. I want God's voice to be what rings in his head. I want yeah. the word of God to be what rings in his head. Cause one day he won't have dad's voice around. I won't be there to tell him to not do that or to do this. 
and I want him to be able to say like, oh, God, this is what God says yeah. about this thing. This is what God desires for me. Not what dad desires, but what God desires. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of other aspects to discipline than that, but that's just one thing that we've been practicing lately that's been, we've been seeing good fruit in. That's huge. Um, I, that Every time I, uh, I'm around you, I'm always trying to get down new parenting <laughs> uh, techniques that you're trying and learning. That's a good one. I, I like that. I, one thing I've been trying to do with my kids, um, especially my son, who's six now turning seven, is I've been trying to, Every time they're in need of correction, remind them that their heart is in need of Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's been seemed to like work mm-hmm. out better is like when they're when they're rebellious or sinful or they hurt each other. I'm like, man, you, you your heart is like far from God. You you need Jesus to like rescue you. And I'm trying to set them up for like mm-hmm. that they're not just good kids, you know, that they're <laughs> but that, yeah. they're, that their hearts are actually wicked and far from God and they desperately mm-hmm. need a savior. So it's a weird balance, but yeah, well, that's something that, um, you know, another thing that was taught to us and exemplified to us is um, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, it says that the the law was a tutor under righteousness, right? right. right? And so the, the tutor, it's the thing that teaches us, right? So what we were told is start teaching our children the Ten Commandments, mm. because when you realize like that you are lying, and that's one of the commandments, it's it hasn't changed. The commandments didn't get wiped out in the new Testament. Jesus, Jesus says, I came to fulfill the law, but, and he, but he also says not, not a single, you know, dot or tittle will, you know, will be, um, removed. It says that, that, that law still stands. Um, yes, the ceremonial law and the, uh, those, those, those laws have been fulfilled in Christ, but the moral law of God still stands and is still applicable. And it's the thing that teaches us that we need Jesus. Because when I look, I'm like, oh man, I idolized. Oh man, I'm not keeping the Sabbath. Oh man, I, I lied. <laughs> I'm yeah. coveting. I'm, yeah. Those, just the 10 commandments by themselves tell us like, oh, because I can't keep these, I need Jesus. Right. So, uh, you know, our pastor said, you know, teach your children the 10 commandments. He's like, each one of my kids came to me on their own without me ever saying like, are you ready to pray or the, you know, the, the prayer, the sinner's prayer? Are you ready to give your life to Jesus? They each individually came and said, I'm a sinner. Hmm. I can't keep the the law. Yeah. I, I lied. Yeah. I stole. I, you know, I hurt people. I, you know, so like what you're saying is reminding them that they're hard. That's what the 10 commandments do. Yeah. Um, and it's no wonder that people are trying to remove the 10 commandments from everything right. it because it's, yeah, it, 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 it literally tutors us unto salvation. It says yeah. like, Hey, you can't do these. You, you are this, you are the opposite of what these say you are. Yeah. And Christ Jesus is the solution yeah. because it, with Jesus, resurrecting and going up to be at the right hand of the father. He sent his Holy spirit to be a helper so that he could write on our hearts, the commandments, right? He wrote, he writes the word on our hearts so that we can actually fulfill them. Um, and that's, that actually led my son, um, who recently just gave his heart to Jesus. Oh, cool, man. And yeah. And he came to us on his own and said, I want to, I want Jesus to be my Lord and I want to be, and I want to be baptized. He, he, we never even taught him that those things go together. Yeah. You know, he's heard about them and he, know, he, under, he, he sees them and, right. but he, he, the Holy Spirit put those together for him. Um, so yeah, the teaching our kids, the, the 10 commandments is, is, uh, no, of number one importance. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And, and you've mentioned a couple of times, your pastor, where, what are you guys doing as far as like church community these days? I know you're part of house church and, uh, yeah. Tell people about that. Yeah. We're, we, we're a part of a house church. Uh, we meet in homes. 
and you know every couple of months we're in a different home. Um, we've grown significantly over the last couple of years, and so now we're it's getting harder to find the home to to meet in <laughs> right. for size. Uh, but um, we have about, gosh, I feel like ten families, hmm. um, and everyone's got anywhere from two kids to nine kids, wow. <laughs> and so it's a lot of people um, that so, that meet. Yeah, house church is kind of a new thing for a lot of people. They're like, because we go to a house church as well, and I talk, I talk to even like seasoned Christians about that. And we don't have like a church staff even. Like we just all gather together. Mm-hmm. We, and it like trips people out. Like, what was your guys' decision to go with, uh, you know, house church mm-hmm. model? I guess versus like you know showing up on a, to a building on Sunday. Well, it was it was a weird journey for us. We um. We, we were raised in like mega churches. Mm-hmm. We went to Har- Harvest, um, mm-hmm. Calvary Chapels in California, uh, Crossroads in California, which is like, you know, 15 to 30,000 any given week, week going yeah. through it. That's what we grew up in. Yeah. Um, I know we kind of, we kind of finally got to a point where we're like, what are we doing? Um, we're sitting in this room, uh, and we don't know 90% of the people in the room, we don't know if they, we don't know if they're a believer. We don't know if they're not a believer. We don't know what they, you know, what they believe. We don't know what they've done. We don't know who they are. And, and it gets easy to be like, well, yeah, everyone, that's what, that's good. Everyone can come. But you know, the, the Bible tells us to be in unity and in, in one mind and one heart and one spirit. How can you be, do that with a person right. you don't know? Right. And, and you may never know, like I could try as hard as I want and never get to know the 300 people at the church or the thousand people at the church. Right. Um, and so just my wife and I went through this journey and we also started realizing like we wanted our kids to be with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and most traditional church, traditional, um, corporate church doesn't, um, allow for that. Yeah. Not that they would tell you no necessarily. Some might actually, but it's just, it's like, well, no, you go drop your kids off at preschool and you, this person, you don't know who they are. They'll teach your kids about God. Right. And, uh, I just got really convicted on the fact that I'm not, showing, I'm not exemplifying to my kids what church looks like. And then we wonder why there are so many young adults leaving the church because they were never a part of big people church their whole life. And then all of a sudden they're told to be part of big people church and that it's for them. So this isn't for you. And then now it's for you. Uh, and we don't see that in, I don't see that in scripture. I see Jesus telling the kid, he says, let the children come to me. Um, he, he, children are what he's doing in the world and we're pushing them out. That's how I felt. Yeah. And so my wife and I were like, okay, well, what else is there then? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, thank God there was a home church community that some of our friends were already a part of. And that was another thing. All of our actual community, people that we spent all of our time with, were doing this over here. And me and my wife are going over here to this thing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we're, not, we're not actually even walking in fellowship with the people that we claim to walk in fellowship with. Yeah. Um, and having corporate worship with them and having corporate prayer with them and having learning the word of God with them. And so we just, we explored the idea, stepped into it and literally fell in love with it. And it immediately challenged us because we realized like if our kids are going to be sitting with us in church, we have to train our children to sit with us in church. <laughs> it's a lot more messy. Yeah. It's, it, it, it is, but it's much more beautiful because my kids actually, they now sit there and they participate Yeah, and they're, and they're in it and they hear it and they see it. They see us worship. They see the men pray. They see the they see the other the other men teaching. They see, they're seeing it all. Not they're not at their own little thing. Not a part of us. They're with us, a part of us. Um, and it's amazing what you your children can learn when you just train them. Totally. That that was a big motivation for us. Is I yeah I I've, I've worked in the big church setting. I've gone to big churches, and it was always um, the thought exactly what you said. Is just kind of like farming your kids out 
Um, but, and I just didn't want my kids to think church was that, that we show up mm-hmm. to some building and they go to some class and they play or color and then they come back and like, that's their idea of church. I wanted them to know like the church is the people. And, and, and so when they think church, they think of like, who are we doing life with to be on yep. mission with and learn to love Jesus with. So anyway, I was curious to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, yeah. maybe, maybe we'll wrap up with this thought here. I'm curious how you, um, a lot of people, when they think about spiritual leadership, being the spiritual leader of their home as, as men, they're thinking through like kind of a, a set family devotional time. Uh, <laughs> and I know you you look at like you, raising your kids as disciples of Jesus is a holistic. You're using all of life. Like what do you what are some rhythms that you have in your life to train up your children? Uh, do you have a devotional time? Are you sporadically reading scripture? Like what does that look like for you guys? Well, yeah, that goes back into some of the discipline thing we, stuff we talked about in the beginning. Um, I've recently been more intentional of having a time of getting in the Word of God. Um, and I've been, you know, telling people not to be reading on their phones. Yeah. You know, open open the Bible. Right. Um, because when you read on the phones, all your kids see is your phone in your hand. They have no clue what you're doing. Totally. Um, but opening the word of God, it's a, it's a lost talent knowing where it's something that I have. I even have a hard time with. And I was raised in the Bible, um, knowing where things are at, knowing who people are and what they did. And, um, so getting in the word of God daily, opening it up in front of them, having them again, this goes into the training, Mm -hmm. my kids to sit with me at church. Mm -hmm. I, we, what we have, we have these little, um, little kid sized lawn chairs and we do what we call blanket time. So our youngest one-year-old does blanket time. He gets a few toys, but he has to sit on the blanket. Hmm. He's not allowed to crawl around. He's not allowed to yell. He's not allowed to walk. So it's hard, Yeah. but it's it's so fruitful. And it's actually amazing how fast they learn. Hmm. So we sit him down. We say, no, we're doing blanket time. And he know, now when we put the blanket down, he walks over to it and sits on it. He's one year old, yeah. one years old. Yeah has a few toys, plays with them. Some days are harder than others, but for the most part, he sits there quietly. My kids get their two lawn chairs. They open them up. They sit in them. And Elliot's allowed to have his Bible and a journal. Mm. Olive's allowed to have one little toy, mm. you know, based off their, you know, where they're at in their age. Right. Um, and this is just how we do it. And they sit there and I read. And I read a chapter. Sometimes I read two chapters. Sometimes I read a couple of verses. I take the opportunity to ask them questions like, Hey, you know, what's the first book of the Bible? Because we just, we've been reading through So Genesis, Exodus. Yeah. And my, my youngest says Genesis, you know, she's, and then, <laughs> yeah. uh, I say, Elliot, what's the second book? He says Exodus. And I say, you know, what's Exodus about? And he says, Moses leading the, the Israelites out of Egypt. And so these are big concepts, but my five-year-old understands them. Yeah. Um, and then when I read a Psalm and the Psalm, David references, you know, the Exodus and he references, you know, the people wandering in the wilderness and he referenced, I mean, and Elliot goes, Oh, like Moses. Oh, like mm. the people he, he recognizes the references just because I'm reading them and then asking him some very simple questions. Right. Um, so yes, there's some consistency and regularity of in the mornings at breakfast or around breakfast time, we open the word of God before I go to work, we pray. Um, but on the other hand, on outside of that, like you said, every aspect of life, you know, we have the 10 commandments in their bedroom mm. or in their schoolroom and they, and Je- Jennifer, when she's doing homeschool with them goes over the 10 commandments every single day. Um, we have, you know, lessons, you know, in school lessons, she'll reference things from the Bible. We'll do art time where they're, you know, le- doing art about bi- biblical things, you know, Noah's Ark or, right. um, you know, the tower of Babel or, <laughs> you know, whatever that is. Yeah that my son's interested in at the time. He just, he, he draws Noah's Ark all over the place all the time. He just is so fascinated by a big boat that gets filled with animals. Yeah. 
Um, but it's, it's more than that. It's, it's, you know, praying when my son wakes up from a nightmare, teaching him that he could pray, not just trying to comfort him, not just trying to tell him to go back to bed, but teaching him that he could pray for it and that God can help him and that, um, God will help him and that he can actually have power over that. And that does, he doesn't have to just whimper when things happen. And, um, and then on top of that saying, you know, Elliot, you know, you can actually think on good things because the Bible tells us to whatever is honorable, noble of good repute of, you know, that is pleasant. Think on those things. And we teach him how to think Yeah. because where do the nightmares come from? They're coming from things that he thinks about. Um, you know, they're in his mind and then when he's sleeping, they get appropriated into dreams and into experiences. And so teaching him how to think things that we maybe didn't get taught when we were younger, that there's actually tools that God gives us in the way we can walk in this life to ha- to walk spiritually. Yeah. I think, um, I, th- I think the big thing that you're saying there that's huge is that you're not compartmentalizing either of those. I think oftentimes mm-hmm. we swing on one of those sides. We're either like really rigid and we just have like this compartmentalized Bible study time. And yet we're never teaching our kids how that makes sense in the rest of life. Or we've, we maybe grew up in a legalistic home. And so you're like, ah, I'm not going to really have like Bible time. And so you never mm-hmm. read the Bible and you're just kind of, thinking that you'll bring it up from time to time and your kids will fall in love with Jesus that way. Yeah. But it's the, it's the both and that you're, you're consistent and like, we're actually going to study God's word together and Mm. then use every single opportunity in life to point them back to, towards what we were reading in the scriptures. Yeah. The old Testament tells us to, it says, teach the word of God to your children when you're walking by the way, when you're sitting down, when you're laying down, when in the morning and when you rise, like it's saying every moment of the day should be permeated by right. by our walk with God because it's a real real thing. Yep. God's a real person. Jesus Christ died on a cross and rose again from the dead. We have a, the, the spirit of God living in us. And it shouldn't be something, like you said, compartmentalized because my life is walking with God. Right. That's what it should look like. Yeah. It shouldn't be like churches over here, families over here, works over here, children over here. No, it's God is my life and therefore everyone gets to experience that yeah, <laughs> now, yeah. in how I walk. Yeah. Aaron, thanks for hanging out, man. I appreciate you dropping wisdom. I'm obviously encourage all of our listeners to go over and subscribe to marriage after God, where you and your wife are continuing to drop good nuggets, but thanks for taking the time to hang out, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me.